How do we revolutionize cancer care? What innovations can solve global food scarcity? Can the next big leap in drug development come from a place you might not expect? These are the questions that drive us on New Wave, a podcast where curiosity meets life-changing science. In Nova Scotia, a new wave of pioneers are answering these questions, from reimagining how we treat the most daunting diseases to tackling the challenges of feeding a growing planet. Their stories are as inspiring as they are impactful. I'm Taylor McGilvery. Join me as we dive into these extraordinary narratives. We're not just talking about scientific breakthroughs. We're exploring how these advancements touch lives, reshape communities, and pave the way for a brighter future. Subscribe to New Wave on your favorite platform. Be part of a journey that takes you to the heart of innovation and shows how, in Nova Scotia, we're not just asking questions, we're finding answers. Ready to talk about some sex? It's such a gray, gray day. It's, it's a, the least sexy day that I've seen in my whole life. It's a gray-ass day. But you know what is exciting? What? Uh, we got some shows coming up. That is my sunshine. Some shows, some travel. We're doing a live show on January uh, Six, 17th. 17th in Ottawa at Algonquin College. And uh, tickets are, I don't know, I don't, uh, I should look into what ticket sales are like for that one. I could tell you. You actually know what ticket sales are uh, like for Algonquin? Oh, what they're like? Yeah. Oh, no. I thought, I thought you were going to say like how how much they are. Oh, fuck that. People can find that. Go to turnmeonpodcast.com slash shows. You'll find that out. (laughs) Um, But ticket sales for our Toronto show are going, uh, they're going like hotcakes. Okay. Yeah. So that's the next night, January 18th in downtown Toronto at E1 headquarters. So that'll be fun. I'm excited for yeah, that. We got some cool guests lined up. I'm really excited for people to see. I'm nervous a little bit too. Are you? Yeah, just, you know, we fly in the same day and then we go right to her and it's our first show outside of our, our hometown. And I know there'll be a lot of like f- familiar names because yeah. I know we have a handful of listeners from there but uh but i don't know about faces you know i don't know what i'm gonna wear i don't know what i'm going to wear i have no idea what i'm gonna wear and i will have fresh new eyelashes though so okay yeah well we just did a photo shoot our first photo shoot yeah that was something else yeah it was it was a sexy little photo shoot some clothing was taken off it would be nice to have some new images you had a a little nip slip in one of them eh? yeah i know you could kind of see your nipple in the shot i know you gotta just she'll have to blur that out i guess i don't think so no i think we can put that on instagram oh really it's so it's it's literally like a millimeter of areola yeah yeah you can get away with that shit yeah that should be fine it should be it's i guess that's part of the nipple though technically Uh but also it could have just been like a coffee stain on your snow white skin oh yeah 
or the snow white blanket yeah well, that's a good point i think it'll be fine uh how's life how's your how's new year's so far uh well i ate a handful of chocolate chips right before we came in here and then yeah. earlier today i ate a whole bag of swedish berries that was left over from the movies so i'm feeling um not totally on on par with my resolution which is to uh choose vitality again and again with all of my daily life choices but uh i don't know the new year i've been having lots of sex there you go. That's great. Yeah. Good sex. Yep. There you go. Yeah. <clears throat> That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's really it's a nice thing. I get I, I'm I'm feel like I'm a little more in in my body than normal than usual. Yeah. Even more so. I don't know I don't know why, but but yeah. I mean I'm always pretty in my body, but lately I've been finding it's it's like I'm really trying to to embrace that that sex is a place you go kind of thing, like yeah. this other dimension. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I dig that. I, that's what I want for my 2019. I want to have the best sex I've ever had in my life okay. in 2019. Yeah. In 2018, there was some wicked good sex. Yeah. So there's a there's the bar has been set. Okay. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh huh. Do you have like an image in mind when you say that? <clears throat> Mm, no, not really. I think I think it's uh, no, I think really just um, having very uh, having lots of sex with people that um, where there's a, a whole bunch of like very clear and open communication about the expectations and and like the direction of where we're taking that sexual relationship. Okay. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm like hoping to bring that into my life a little more. Those conversations? Yeah. Yeah. It's, for example, I, uh, there's, there's a young woman who I've been speaking with on Tinder. Uh-huh. And um, she said she was talking, she just, oh, out of the blue, started talking about how, um, how she she doesn't she she has a really easy time in separating emotion from sex okay so like she can have a very she can have casual sexual partners yeah but um without the expectation of that turning into like some sort of deep emotional tie or relationship yeah and when she said that to me i was like that's exactly that's exactly what i'm that's exactly how i feel right and what i'm searching for yeah. And to to have so I've never re- I've I rarely have had somebody else reciprocate that that feeling or thought. Right. And so I was kind of thinking, you know, I was getting a little bit into my my uh, ethereal sort of woo woo brain. And I was going, I'm going to just put that out in the universe and, and ask for more of that. In OK. My life. OK. More of those people. OK. I like that. I um I I feel that way too actually. Like I feel like I cannot get emotionally attached to somebody that I'm having having sex with. Yeah. Um I don't know what why I don't I I, I Don Draper's like that too from what I from what I can tell. Uh He is like that. <laughs> he is. What a I want to be like Don Draper without the shitty parts of Don Draper. You know I, what I mean? Like I when know, I watch that's Madden, the thing. He see he has such redeeming moments. And he's, of goodness. But he's such a 
fucking idiot sometimes. And the, sometimes he's a total fucking jerk. You know what? The, I the, That's why I love that show so much because that's how I look at myself. <laughs> some days I'm like, you're a great human. Yeah. And then some days I'm like, Jesus, you're an asshole. Yeah. And I think I, I don't think I'm alone in that. Yeah. I, sometimes I think about my funeral and what people will say. Yeah. And I want to, I'm, I'm so curious to know like what the, the honest things that people will say at my funeral, because I hope people speak the truth. Right. I don't want my funeral to be like some, some, you know, let's just blow a bunch of smoke up Jeremy's dead ass. I want, I want people to talk about the shitty things that, that I did and, right. and how hard it was to be around me sometimes. Yeah. And I wonder what those things are. <laughs> Because, you know, so this is this is really, this is like... Are you asking me? No, no, no. But relationship-wise, this is kind of funny. I had this conversation with Becca the other day where she did something. And I went, you know what's really interesting about this whole Polly thing? Is for years, Bridie would get really angry at me or annoyed at me or whatever at me because of these things that I would do. And in my head, I would go, I don't fucking do those things. And then I met you, Becca. Yeah. And... You started doing these things that I immediately realized, oh, my God, this is what Bridie was saying that I was doing. Mm. And now I see what I did and why it drove you so crazy. Uh-huh. Which I think I've, I've explained to you before where I yeah. was going, yeah, Becca's doing this thing. And now I realize that I was doing <laughs> that thing to you. Right. And it was the first time I voiced it to Becca. And she was like, what are these things? And I was like. I don't know what they are. I can't, I can't like, I can't. I'll tell you when you're doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, (laughs) I I like that about the multiple relationships too. But in the reverse, like I, I'll sometimes be arguing with my boyfriend and, and he might say something or I might say something and I realize like, oh, that wasn't Jeremy all along. That was me. And yeah. it's here again. Yeah. 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 And you, yeah, you learn about your, you learn things about yourself, you know, for, for, for the better. Well, I think that's, and sometimes that's really hard. And uh, yeah. to be honest with you, the last like month has been really tricky in that way for me. Like, um, in conflict, I, I definitely, we've talked about this a little bit, but I'm definitely like, fuck you. I'm out of here. Um, I mean, not really that, like, uh, not in that, like, extreme kind of way, but but I definitely don't feel like I'm on the same team as my partner when we're arguing. You know, yeah. it's like me against you. Yeah. And, and I'm going to be right. And yeah. there's, like, all of this. I understand that we're all, we're both doing that. Mm-hmm. And maybe, like you're not aware but I am aware or maybe we're both aware that we're doing that but it's so hard to fucking just it's so hard to open yourself to having your mind changed if you're if you don't want to have your mind changed and most people in arguments do not want to have their minds changed you know and so you really have to decide to want that your partner to be right if you want to cure what they're saying you know not or they're right but you want them to be validated or you want them to be like hurt or you really truly like want to understand what they're saying you have to you have to like set your shit down and just like listen yeah without getting defensive but it's hard it's so hard um yeah anyway 
What, what, there was, Becca was saying that there was something you were going to bring up on the show today. Oh, yeah. What is that? Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Um, I don't really know. There's no way I can tell you this without ruining the joke of it. But uh, you know how I have trouble with technology. Yeah, I do. Okay. So every now and then when I get into the car and I start the car, the phone, my the Bluetooth... For some reason, it shows up like a phone call is coming into the car from my phone number. Okay. Okay, so my so, phone so have, calls a, the car. So we have a Honda Fit. Yeah. And when you get in the car, our phone, our, like if I got in the car right now and I was playing some some like Kendrick Lamar on my phone while I was in the house and then I walked into the car and sat down, yeah. it would pair into the car, okay. Bluetooth, and Kendrick Lamar would be playing. Okay. So you go into the car. Yeah. And... Bluetooth links the car's Bluetooth goes. I'm going to link up with Bridie's phone. Yeah, and when it does on the screen, it says that you there's are calling an incoming yourself. call from my phone number. That is so bizarre. It's okay. so weird, right? Okay. Yeah, sometimes music starts playing. If I've been listening to music or a podcast, that'll start playing. But it's been doing this. It hasn't done it in a while. But the last time it did it, I uh, I had just I had just gotten to PEI. And I was, I was, I was, um, I was giving my car to my little sisters for the day yeah. and, or I was picking them up, whatever. And I had just made a voice memo, uh, recording of myself, uh, orgasming. Okay. And cause it's nice to have those things on your phone. You never know when somebody's going to ask you for a dirty, you got dirty, dirty picture. Off. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so I get in the car and my little sisters are now in the car and I get in the car and I turn it on and it shows that my phone is calling the car. There's an incoming number from my phone. And so I hit, it asks you to transfer. Yeah. It's like, do you want to transfer this call to the hand, to the, to the, the phone, like, to your phone or, or do you want to take it through the car? Do you? Yeah. And so I'm just like pressing buttons, trying to hang this thing up. Dude, the way you use technology is so infuriating. You're like an old woman. <laughs> you tap things so fast, <laughs> so hard. You just expect like, I mean, fuck, I ex technology works quick, but man, you expect it to work like, like black mirror neural net quick like it. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway. Okay. So you start panically <laughs> trying to hang it up. And I must have pressed transfer. To the car. To the car. Oh, no. And then I hear. Oh, no. The rustle of blankets and the beginning of this and are you, are one you, minute long recording that I've made. Are you thinking at this moment, like, wait, is someone on the call and in the, like, in sheets? No. Oh, you immediately I know exactly know. what is and happening. your sisters are in the car with you? And my sisters are in the car. Oh, And I, fuck. so I just keep like tapping like transfer, transfer, <laughs> transfer, and like talking louder and louder and going la, 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 la. And then it, it transfers back to my phone, which then starts playing From it speaker. in speakerphone. So, um, oh my God. But I just got louder and louder and louder until it hung up. But then it did it again the next time I started the car as well. And they were in it. And I, I had exactly the same reaction. I don't think that they had any idea. Have you ever accidentally sent a nude to someone that you, that shouldn't have gotten that nude? No, but that's my fucking nightmare. Like I, 
That's a nightmare to me. It is a nightmare. It's such a nightmare. Uh I mean, I've heard stories. I've heard stories of people sending like their boss, like them jerk, like coming, like climaxing. (laughs) Oh no. Isn't that crazy? It's so insane. I I kind of love it, but it it does terrify me. I, uh, there's this whole thing about platonic nudes going around right now. Have you? What's that? It's like, um, seems to be like this. I'm going to just platonic nudes. I, um, that sounds fun. Yeah, no, it's the satisfying joy of sending platonic nudes to your friends. Oh, Becca does that all the time. Oh, yeah? Becca sends nudes to her girlfriends on, like, a daily basis. Like, of they what? They all just send each other nudes. Just, just naked? Not, like, sexy, no. obviously. Well, like, yeah, like, or, I don't know, not like, not, like, explicit sex, but, like, yeah, like, sexy-ish nudes. They're like, hey, like, I feel, I feel good in my body today. Look. Check it out. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's not, I've never really done that. I did. I, I think I've had a friend or two. Um, we, we sometimes exchange like cleavage shots. Where we're just kind of like if we have them. I've been thinking about how badly I want to send Brian and Taylor a photo <clears throat> that's like me wearing like a hat or something and going, guys, uh, check out my new hat. But I, but it's the shots like from above and, and it's looking down at the hat, but also looking down at my fully naked body with a raging heart on, but I just don't, I don't acknowledge that part. <laughs> I only talk about the hat. I don't know if that's okay. I don't know if it's okay to If you to knew s- what our relationship was, you would realize that that's okay. If that, if that's not okay, then it's not okay for me to receive photos from one of those two. Uh, which I will not throw under the bus a name, but we'll say one who currently has uh, darker hair than the other sends shots of uh, doo-doo. Poop? Uh, I, I didn't say the word poop. I just said doo-doo. Okay. I'm going to get real cryptic here. Okay. Someone whose name rhymes with failure sends Uh-oh. shots of doo-doo. Oh, that's not, is he into that? Yeah, way? Taylor's super into poop play. Oh, God. <clears throat> uh, and he has been for years. Thank God he cut his hair. What a mess. Yeah, and thank God he doesn't listen to this podcast. Yeah. Thanks, Taylor. Uh, no, we send each other We send each other just horrid, horrid photos to each other. I like to send things that make people laugh. Uh, that I makes guess us that makes, laugh, though. Yeah, it does, eh? Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, I laughed pretty hard taking a picture of you yesterday in your thong. Which I showed to the world. In your wide-legged forward fold. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to a brain boner here. All righty. Um, so this one's a little bit intense. I guess it warrants a trigger warning. Um, it came in back in August. Right. We're getting into, like, sexual assault territory here? Yes, we like, are. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just felt like it was important to read this because uh, he sent a follow-up email on it, and it just it just made me it just made me feel like we I want you to know that um, yeah someone's listening. Okay, where is it? Um, it's a bit long. I recently had an encounter with a girl that I know. I lost my virginity to her last semester at college. Note, I'm 24 and being a virgin that long does wonders on my mentality and on future sexual encounters. The girl and I had a falling out last semester and I started to talk to her during the summer. Two days ago, she asked me to help her with something, just driving her to a store to pick up a bike and drop it off at her place. 
I was nervous with this request to begin with because I hadn't seen her since last semester and the falling out, but I obliged out of just being nice and I had hoped to get some sort of intimacy at the end of the night. I've been battling with anxiety and depression a while now and the night in question I was really anxious but still went through with this. I'd needed just some kind of physical touch from anyone to try and help me feel better emotionally and mentally. After dropping the bike off, we proceeded to go into her house and start to cuddle and watch a movie. I was the big spoon. It wasn't as comforting as I thought it would be. Honestly, pretty uncomfortable, just logistic-wise, on a small couch. Well, it got apparent that she was wanting something more. She asked if it was okay with me if she took off her bra. She laid back down and requested me to massage her boob. I could tell she wanted to be more sexual in this context. I started touching her legs and arms, and I decided because she was feeling sexual i would try to massage around her clitoris over her pants and underwear since she was holding my dick and balls no we were both clothed at this point she kept saying that she thinks this will turn into sex and i'm like i would rather just lay here and do this opened up about being anxious and just wanted to cuddle so this proceeded she said she was getting hot so she took off her pants and got a blanket I tried to resituate and cuddle again, but at this point she was horny enough, I guess, and didn't want to cuddle, so she told me to take off my shorts. I did. Tried to cuddle again. She then proceeds to play with me more and suggests getting on top of me. She's kissing me, and I'm not into it, but I kiss back. Note, I'm a little hard at this point, but it was just from the physical sensation of being touched, not really being attracted to her sexually. She proceeded to stick my penis inside her and starts to gyrate and whatnot. I wasn't into it. I was also uncomfortable on the couch. So she got too uncomfortable on the couch and suggested we go to her bed. Kept suggesting that. I was getting up slow and literally threw up in my mouth. I don't know if it was from my anxiety or just feeling sick from what just happened, but I vocalized it. I kept vocalizing it. I proceeded to follow her into her room and get on her unsheeted bed she proceeds to get on top of me some more i say i'm not really into this so i try to switch to just like manual stimulation with my fingers in her vagina and i'm okay with this at this point just to make her feel good since i wasn't feeling good i asked if she liked it and she suggests she does but wants me to fuck her and said that several times so i flipped over again and she proceeded to try to get my dick hard and put it inside her. At this point, I disassociated and just laid there. I didn't want to do anything. She would ask me questions like, should I go fast or slow? And do you want, do you want to have me lay down? And I was just not answering. I just kept letting her ride me. It promptly ended with her mother calling her and her having a meltdown about her mother and and freaking out with me just lying there trying to get dressed and head out the door. She tried to keep me with her, so I stayed until we left the house together. I kept saying it was fine, and she was telling me that it wasn't fine and that she was sorry about freaking out. Um, she wanted a kiss, so I kissed her once and left. The ride home, I felt sick and dirty and emotionally bummed. It felt off. I wasn't forced against my will. I wasn't under the influence. I could have left and said for us to stop at any moment during, but I didn't. I don't know what this is to me. Everyone I've opened up to has suggested mirrors, rape, or sexual assault, but in my mind, it's not. I wasn't tied down or something. I just wanted to know both your opinions on this. Could it be classified as that? Where should I go from here? If you have any questions, just let me know. If you actually read all this, I'd be surprised, but I thought I'd give it a shot. I love your podcast to death and listen to it regularly. I'm not cut up, though. Almost finished with your first season, so I don't even know if you've discussed this or not. I would just love your opinions. Um, he sent a follow-up and said, 
basically um since the, this time i've had issues getting into any kind of sexual relationship without incredible amounts of anxiety um he doesn't know how to start back up again yeah <clears throat> well i mean i think you know if we've learned anything over the last um four four or five years where um like the the discourse and the the discussion surrounding what is what is considered sexual assault and what is what is rape and what is sexual assault adjacent and um you know a, a, and a lot of this coming through these like higher profile cases mm-hmm. um like one the one that re- particularly sticks out in in talking this out right now is like the Gian Gameshi case mm-hmm. <clears throat> is that um it's a it's not black and white yeah sexual assault is not black and white yeah and you you don't need to just be um bound and and gagged to to be considered to be raped yeah um it's a it is a very it is a very murky and cloudy um uh area of discussion mm-hmm and some people, some people might go, no, you weren't raped. I personally don't think you were. And some people might staunchly stand up and say, you were absolutely assaulted. Mm-hmm. And I think, <clears throat> I really, I think it, it, I don't, I don't know. I honestly don't know what to say. I, I mean, I, it sounds like, I, I think, I think really it just boils down to, do, did you give consent? If that consent was was not a resounding yes, then then what happened was not okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to like try to just you know simplify it down to one thing, but th- I think that I think really like that's the I think that is time and time again that is the like the one thing that just continues to come back up was there consent no okay then that wasn't okay yeah i agree with you i agree with you because we you know you can still be physically present and participate in an act if you if you do, if even if you're not consensual you know your your mind and your voice can be saying one thing whether that, even though you yeah. and whether that comes down to a power dynamics thing or just a, a social like the way we you know we we've all been brought up in a very certain way and be so, polite be polite like some of us some of us will fucking go so far and beyond to not come across as rude yeah that it's like you know it's 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 it, it, it makes me think too of like of um this is completely different, but, but there's something, there's something to be said for this. You know, it's easy for someone to sit back and go, Oh, well, if that was me, I would have done this. Yeah. But, um, just consider for a moment if when you hear stories like the, the other day, Brian and Taylor found a dead guy in the Calgary airport. Holy shit. What? Yeah. So, uh, this, this gentleman had, uh, OD'd in the airport bathroom. And Brian and Taylor were the only two there, and they pulled him out from the from underneath the stall, and they, he was blue, he was he was he wasn't breathing. Uh, for all they knew, he was dead, and they just start compressions. And Taylor runs into the hallway, and it's a fucking airport. Yeah, there are people everywhere. Yeah, 
and he yells to about 25 people walking by. There's a guy in here. He's dying. Someone come help. Someone come help. There's a guy in here. He's dying. And no one does a thing. Everyone just continues to walk and go their own way. Until finally, Taylor did the thing that they fucking teach you at CPR to do, which is he pointed at one woman and yeah. said, you, call 911, do what I'm telling you to do yeah. right now. And then she did the thing, right? Yeah. Now, you hear that story and you go, well, if <clears throat> if someone came out of a bathroom and yelled that, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step up and of course I'm going to whip out my phone and immediately call 911 and run over there and say, how can I help? But you, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know how you're going to react. You don't know what you're going to do until you're you're in the moment. Well, that's a the, you know the whole fight or flight thing yeah. that has been coming up also in this conversation lately. It's like, well, there's also freeze. Some people mm-hmm. just freeze. Just freeze you up. don't run. Yeah. You don't like. You don't. Yeah. Which doesn't mean that you you were complicit. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I it I feel like there's a lot of I, there's there's a lot of of questions here yeah. in this one particular email. Um one of them being like is it you know, I'm a male, so like was I really raped? Yeah. Or was I really assaulted? Um I I don't think I don't think your I don't think your your gender, your sex uh disqualifies you from from sexual assault. Yeah. Um, and definitely a hundred percent that relationship doesn't sound like a very healthy relationship. And I understand you lost your virginity to this person and they'll be, they'll be important to you. And, and maybe that adds to what makes it so this situation so challenging, but, um, I would definitely say just, it's not a big deal to go and talk to a professional about that work through it so you can get to the other side of your anxiety and go out there and have a really great sex life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's just one experience and it, it, it's <laughs> definitely traumatic and definitely worth like processing, but it's not all the experiences. It's not what your future mm-hmm. needs to be either. And I think, I think if that, like if the, if, if the, if you're looking for advice, like if, and if you're struggling with this and you don't know how to wrap your head around it, Go speak to someone. Yeah, and a lot of universities have people you can go and talk to for free. Like you don't, it's just covered mm-hmm. um, as a student. Yeah, yeah really. Like there's, there's people out there where it's their profession to 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 listen. Yeah. To to hear you. Yeah. Um and and like that's I think that's one of the harder things about uh, and again this just comes back to that dialogue that we've been seeing over and over again over the last couple of years. It's like. That's one of the hard, hardest aspects of going through some sort of experience like that, it, it, which is finding the strength to to feel like you have a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of people feel like after after an experience like that, that they're not going to be heard. Yeah. Or that there isn't anyone out there that's actually going to listen or do anything. Yeah. But I, I, that's not the case. That yeah. is not the case. Especially now, there, I there feel like... There are people there to listen. Mm-hmm. May, now, whether whether or not something will be done about it... Yeah. That, well, that's up that's that's up in the air. But there are people there to listen. And that's like... I think that's the... Above and beyond anything else, that's the most important part. Because that's your... That, that goes towards your self-care. Yeah. 100%. <clears throat> that's yeah. great advice, baby. You can do it. Yeah. I'm rooting for you. Yeah. We both are. 
That was that was heavy. That was. I know, but <laughs> I just I didn't want to let it slide. You no, know? I'm glad. Because I mean, I'm glad we. I'm glad we touched on it. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, we share the share the microphone sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know. You know what wasn't as heavy as that. What? But just as important and and. Um, and me accidentally playing audio porn <laughs> for my little sisters yeah that was no, uh that, that was way oh, less heavy funny. um no is uh, our conversation that we had with ramsey ah oh, this is one of my favorites so i got i have to say this um this this uh wonderful human being uh-huh. who who comes from a small town in nova scotia and and went on to do great things in and adventurous things in her life somehow found her way into our recording studio and uh, it's actually the the woman who drew um, an amazing illustration of you and I, Bridie. Yeah, I loved that we it. We put on our Instagram. You should go check it out if you haven't seen it. It's it's you know it's down the feed. Go go for a little scroll. Go um, walk down memory lane. But holy moly, I I've I've had some crushes. Yeah. She's Ramsey. You are a crushable <laughs> person. Let yeah. Me tell you that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I loved the I loved this conversation. It made me smile, made me laugh, made me feel happy in my heart. Well, let's throw to it. I hope you enjoyed as much as we do. Um, cannot wait to see all you beautiful folks out in Ottawa, Toronto, oh my God, and, next and, week. and Montreal. Um, and uh, yeah, see you soon. talking before we were recording there about just how 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 different places that that you tend to live like really kind of um kind of mold and shape you into a very particular type of person yeah i feel and very sculpted yeah yeah mm-hmm. and and it's you so ramsey first of all so ex- excited that you're here Aww, shucks. because um for people who don't know this which they probably don't but uh, a while back, Bridie, you and I were like gushing on the podcast mm-hmm. over this artwork that someone had sent in from Amsterdam, which was actually from you. Mm-hmm. And if you, I'm telling you right now, if you're listening right now, just take a second, go to our Instagram, go down like maybe 12, 13 rows. And there's this little sketch of Bridie and I, I, this is the first time I've ever seen me drawn <laughs> and it looked we were just talking about my love for James Jean. Yeah, yeah. You, it was a very James Jean esque, like version of myself, and oh. I, I got so excited to like, I just wanted to see myself in a comic book. Like I saw, <laughs> I, it was like seeing my comic book Someday, self. Someday, Jeremy. It looked so cool. And anyway, 
I just I I I'm, I love the the work that you that you did and I loved it too. I don't really like having my photo taken mm-hmm. and the sketch that you the photo you chose to sketch from I think anyway is um from like my uh, my first like solo photo shoot yeah. and I it's really still hard for me to like look at those images sometimes I get that mm-hmm. yeah but to see it in drawing for some reason just like allowed me to appreciate yeah. it it's pretty like, fucking cool yeah. yeah well yeah when I do portraiture work it's so much about trying to catch capture the character of another person and so there's a lot of just like yeah not focusing on like a photographic reference but right. like and I mainly do portrait work and so there's a lot of just like I've gotten like I think one of the best compliments I was ever paid was someone was just like he really captured the eyes of this person and oh. like it looked like that person but they were like no there's like essence in there and I found that very flattering because I mean that's all you can hope to do and yeah it yeah I like the uh, response. And my Instagram blew up that day that you posted. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, sweet. Yeah. Well, there's, some, there's something, too, about it that made me, <clears throat> it like, it was this, like, confidence boost. Like, <laughs> I, like this might sound weird, but when I looked at it, I, I looked at the drawing of myself, and I went, fuck, you're, you're a good-looking fella. <laughs> like, this image, this, this drawn image made me, like kind of like appreciate my own it was like it like gave me an opportunity for a little bit of self-love like uh which mm-hmm. i don't know i find i found so interesting yeah it know? is an interesting thing because i think about that with like these images that people have we've had yeah we've uh, had a number of fan art oh that one is also in. from a photograph and i i like that doesn't i mean that could be anybody those but those like there's something about that. It's like, it's really nice to, I don't know how to put it's it into words. It's also just like sensual and delicate. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I try to do a self-portrait like once every year. I usually make it in the fall because it's like, I don't know, in the like sentimental part of my brain. I'm just like, it's the time of like death and renewing. Yeah, and sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I've tried to do it because the like past couple of years for me have been really transformational. And I think it's always important to go back as like a point of self-reflection because if I'm mm-hmm. forced to like, you know, there was ones I did years ago where I like, I look like a gremlin in them. And how, then, do you, how do you do a self portrait? How do you draw a self portrait? Do you just like look in the mirror and draw yourself? You can do them in the mirror. Um, you know, Some or of them might be really abstract. I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 challenging to do them in the mirror. But if you ask my um, teachers in university, I definitely did them in the mirror and did not take photo reference and worked from uh, those instead. Yes, yes, yes. yes I'm okay. I'm a photo reference person. I'm oh, yeah, yeah. I, I love it, and it it really looking back like some of them I just straight up look like a man and they're really reflective of where I was at the time because I had like a lot of issues with like my gender and like the way I looked and like issues with my body and they Mm. all come through and like like I said some of them are like I called one old Greg because it was just like this old like <laughs> looked like this swamp creature and people yeah. are like I don't know what you were going for in this piece like there's something of you underneath all yeah. of that but like you're and you look a, like you're drinking from a shoe you're like an attractive like young like person like why are you drawing yourself <laughs> like you're a swamp monster do you, but is that like a no like this is an exact rep replication of what I look like or is this this is like an expression of how I feel like well I I think I like I tend to work in a kind of abstract realism whatever that means okay um to to anyone um but they were kind of like because if you're looking at a piece and 
you're feeling a certain way about yourself, then that's probably going to come through, mm. especially if you're going into using color and different graphics and what have you. Like some of them, I'm just like straight up angry frow brow. And it's just because like, that's how I felt about myself <clears throat> at those times in my life. Well, some, sorry, sometimes my mom told me this, <laughs> that when she feels really ugly, like when historically, if she's having a day where she just feels like fucking ugly, and we've all had those days mm-hmm. where you just, she's just like, I just get into the front of the mirror and close the door and make the ugliest faces <laughs> in the mirror. And so now I do that. I love that your mom does that. It is really something. And try to get somebody else to do it. And it's very like, like it's really hard to make those faces in the presence of somebody else. Like activity, like it's challenging. Oh yeah, yeah. It, like it's like I feel like I do that on a regular basis, just for my well, own. Well, maybe you're just full of confidence. No, no, yeah, no, but I, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I mean, making like just disgusting faces in front of people. Yeah, you do that, and you <laughs> do do that. <laughs> that's like my that's like my pastime. Swamp monster, like, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, but like, really, like, why know, are you doing that? You know, <laughs> I don't know, it's fun. That amazing video that I love so much of Becca. Um, it's oh, like this God. distorted version of oh. her face, and she's this she, character. Like she's a, it's like a. 15 it's, second video it's and a Snapchat it's brilliant. filter that like mashed her face up. Oh, Jesus Christ. And then she puts this voice to it. And she has a care and she's oh. like, in the scenario, it's perfect. It was a perfect I think it's I a might perfect have to comedy. See this video. It's amazing. It makes me so uncomfortable but because that's the way the she thing. does, I know, the way she does the video is like, Beck is a very like sensual, you're like, sexy. I think you're a beautiful person all the rest of the time, excluding oh, this and, one. Clip. Well, when she, when she does these videos, she like, she'll be wearing like this fucking bombshell of a dress. And like she'll do this slow, like pan up. up her body and like her curves and like over her breasts and like up to her chest. And then it comes to her face, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> shit! Oh, fucking! Oh, god!" And then she'll say like, "Hi, honey," or like whatever. And you're like, "Oh my! Oh god!" Romance at its best. Oh Jesus! But you know what? It's really funny. We don't usually. <laughs> Becca, Becca, if you're listening to this, can we just can you send that to me and I'll put it up on our fucking Instagram so people can see. That I shit? would appreciate it. Yeah, I think people would. It's it's pretty classic. It's something to be said about like being being comfortable, being so confident that you can be like, yeah. "This is hideous. Look at me." <laughs> Yeah, you're yeah. like I really need you to look at this because yeah. there's there's a lot to yeah you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to come back though and 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 touch on something that you sort of you sort of touched on a little bit, um, but basically about how 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 life can transform based on your surroundings and and so you are how old are you? I'm uh, just about 25. Okay, yeah, and you're from Cape Breton. I am from Cape Breton, and. I'm going to try to dull down my accent as much as possible during this. We're all all East Coasters. I mean, I've been living away for a while, so they really have a hard time with it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Everyone calls you out on it, right? Well, I I mean, I live in Europe, so people are like, are you... You're the one with the accent. Are you like Scottish and you lived in America for a long time? What's going on here? Are you some kind of Scandinavian? I don't understand... Yeah. So, yeah. So you come from you come from a, a small area. Yeah. And an area like Cape Breton is is kind of like it's it's one of those beautiful places, but it's also a li- just like a little it's bit raw. backwards. It, no, not, I, not bad. Every I, time I you say backwards, I'm like, oh, I don't I think know. that's the word. But, I, no, but you know what I mean, though. Like, I just, think not like I, I would explain it as like unexposed. Yeah, a, a little just behind with the time. Like whenever I talk about anything, whether it be like queerness or like 
polyamory or anything. You bring up the word queer in Cape Breton and they're like, what the fuck does that I don't know what that, that mean? means. Yeah, like, and like, I've tried to explain like gender fluidity to people there and I'm like, they're just like, it's over the head, yeah. like just gone. And that's just been in the interactions I've had. But it, yeah, yeah. But it's, 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 your, it's your classic rural I was just going to say town mentality. Yeah, like, it's, exactly. It's not. Ju- it's not exclusive to Cape Breton. No, I mean, I'm from small rural town, Prince Edward Island. It's small but town my everywhere. grandmother does use the word queer, and she'll be like, "He's kind of queer, isn't he?" That's amazing. Yeah, but does like, she just mean that they're like weird? Yes, strange. Yeah, she's okay. weird. Yeah. She's using it. But for see, I even like that because weird is actually a like old English word that means of nature. Oh, and I think that I very much romanticize the word. And oh, if someone calls yeah. me a weirdo, I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, that is on brand. Absolutely, I love <laughs> nailed it. I Have you seen that. the movie Weirdos? No. Oh, you guys should watch it. Have you seen it, Jeremy? No. It's uh, it's based here in Nova Scotia. It's made by Nova Scotia filmmakers about a couple of um, uh, not adolescent but like teenage, young teenage um mm-hmm. weirdos uh running away from home together, sort of local. trying to get to a festival. It's <laughs> really, local really, film. really, really good. Sweet. Yeah, you should Sweet. see it. So coming from a small town, it's yeah. black and white. Being queer, Ooh. Um, <laughs> exotic, exotic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, <laughs> juggling and struggling with your own like sexual identity and gender and, and all that stuff struggling. going or, or, or journeying through I, that. I get your drift. Uh, I'm just teasing. Do you, you go from there to Toronto and then um, from Toronto to, to Amsterdam? Yeah. I mean, I was so desperate to leave Cape Breton because I came out when I was pretty young. Yeah. So I was like, I'm gay. And then spent, like, all my high school years just being like, I'm miserable because I'm gay. Yeah. And then when I was 18, I started to have some uh, body dysphoria issues set in that lasted for a couple years. And What did that look like? Well, I moved to Toronto and, you know, to be, like transparent in is i ended up like i'm a i'm a really small person obviously no one can see me but i am a like yeah you're you're about five two foot, foot tall two foot three <laughs> yeah. um we're actually you're you're just standing on the table we're, i'm often we're t- like compared to a gnome or an elf and that seems to suit people's description of me quite it well. suits your your uh affinity for the word weird too yeah, yeah. thank you yeah. I've, I've embraced it <laughs> yeah. um but i had like triple d tits and those are big it uh made my life miserable i had chronic pain from it and so i felt super disconnected from my body Mm. and so when i moved to toronto i was super excited because i was moving out of this space of being like an abject 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 uh gay person in cape breton uh like feeling very alone in that respect um, and being really excited when I got to Toronto and I started going to school for design. Um, and that consumed my life, but still had this progressing case of body dysphoria in which I felt totally removed from my own body. Mm. And so that resulted in not being able to sh- basically ever share intimacy with other people. And, and this was all stemming from the size of your breasts? I mean... it Or a big part of it? It was a big part of it, but... You know, it also just stemmed into it reshaped the way that I looked at myself and Mm. uh, yeah, like any kind of uh, uh, like disassociative thing. It's like blown out in your own head. Right. And so even though I did have chronic pain and I felt like my situation made my life miserable, my head made it infinitely more miserable. Right. Right. Of course. Okay, but now you're sitting here right now, and, and again, no one can see you. You definitely don't have triple T, tri- triple D 
tits. No, I do not anymore. I, what happened there? I you popped them. You're like I did. Pop. I grabbed a needle and I was just like, just can't deal with it yeah. anymore. Liberated. <laughs> yeah, woohoo! <laughs> I mean, that was the sound I made when I did come out of breast reduction mm. surgery. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's what it was. Okay, All right. um, which was I try to talk about it as often and openly as I can, as I do most things, but uh, particularly because I didn't know anything, and it took me like. When, you know, those feelings of feeling disconnected from my body came up, like I knew like a big part of where they were stemming from, but it took me so long to get any information and for to find other people who had had experiences and in breast reduction in breast reduction specifically. So um, what does that look like? Like, how do they so what do they do? Like, what is what does breast reduction what is the procedure? Well, like, are they just going in and, and... They remove fat tissue. So normally they go with one incision under the breast and one up through the center and around the nipple. They call it an anchor scar because it's in kind of the shape of okay. yeah. an anchor. And But what they did to me, because I was so young when I got it done, it's usually women who are of an older uh, age bracket who get it done. Um, they were like, your skin seems like it will like retract um so what they did is they cut a little snowman shape out of my breast with the nipple in between the bottom half of the snowman and the head and then they so it's a three-tiered snowman (laughs) no two-tier okay um so the nipple is in the middle part between the head and the body okay (laughs) and then they swing the nipple up into the head of the snowman okay and they take the flesh and fat out of the bottom half and then they just pull it together and it's like Whoa, wait, whoa, wait, wait, wait. So basically, your nipple, they basically like open your nipple like it was the, the fucking... Like the hatch the, on a submarine. Yeah, or the cover on a on a peephole in a door. Exactly. I'm very willing to flash everyone in the studio, but that, I don't know if that does anyone outside of here any good. Uh, it, probably, it probably wouldn't help, but but so, so, it, it, so nipple flaps up and then they pull out from the nipple, like the nipple's the door? No. Uh, like the bottom, the butt of the snowman is the door. Oh, okay. But wait, what? <laughs> so what? How? But how does the nipple move? Yeah. Well, <laughs> they they don't detach it. They just cut around it and they swing it up into what would be the head of the snowman. But so, do you oh, have holy. the head <laughs> and the nipple and then the body of the snowman? Yeah. So then they. So that's what I mean by a three-tiered snowman. There's yeah. three circles, right? Because yeah. once you swing the, the nipple... But they, like, cut it out from the nipple like that. So the, the nipple is, like, the epicenter of the snowman. Gotcha. Okay. I yeah. know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, so my point being of all this is I have what's called a lollipop scar, which is just, you know, the stick down and around. So I just oh. have it done slightly differently. Underneath okay. the nipple. A lot of people did. Yeah, so I have no one that goes under the breast, right. which breast. most people have. Is it okay. is it super obvious, the scar? Um, I so I I do burlesque dancing in Amsterdam. Nice. Um, and so you know your tits are out a lot, and I said something about it the other day, and my fellow burlesque dancers were like, "We can't see a thing," oh. and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, they're under there. They used to be really obvious, yeah, and they faded so much How that many- like I've like had like intimate relationships with people, and, and they didn't even know. They're like, I'll say it later, and they'll be like, "What?" And I'm like, yeah, I have scars on my front. And I'm like, they're like, I was looking real close. I didn't see anything. Did so, you did you have any sort of um, um, did you struggle with the scars? Like did did that did that or was it like such a relief to like it was such a shrink it, those puppies down that it was like, I don't fucking care if there's scars on there. I, this is, no, this is it, so much better. It was insane. Like the psychological 
uh, effect it had on me, especially <laughs> immediately. In, yeah, like immediately. Like I when I was I was making a point to someone one day because you know I didn't have sex for years, and even when I did, it was very much this out of body experience like the idea of being naked in front of another person was just like whoop i gotta go like my brain has to be somewhere else because i can't engage in this at all and so that like took any kind of enjoyment out of sex Mm. so i basically just didn't pursue it for Mm -hmm. years and years and years and it fucked with my self-confidence a lot and after i got surgery i had someone here in halifax who was um like being who who like we were having a bit of a thing and immediately after my surgery we had sex and like the feeling of the sex changed so much even though I was like still full of stitches and vulnerable like the immediate effect it had on how I viewed myself and my own sexuality was like it was yeah like it was yeah so immediate and what is that because of a decrease in pain or like a more of a willingness to like engage with the body that you had like I think it was like a lot of being able to feel could because for like the first time in years I was like oh my body is mine I, I live in here and that was like suddenly I was dropped into a moment having been like having out of body experiences where for the first time I was like present with another person mm. connecting with intimacy instead of like watching it from the corner right okay kind of thing so wow. fascinating Turn me on. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. So how about I'm, I'm curious to know about because uh, in your initial email when you when you you email this like back in January um, about about, uh, you know, coming coming into listening to turn me on and and you were really you know you, you had all these lovely things to say but you well, also i was super grateful because i left this place because of its small-mindedness and i was like people in nova scotia are doing a well someone actually who you know like turned me on to it they're like oh yeah my friend jeremy and his wife do this podcast and it's about polyamory and i was like and they live in nova scotia like, yeah what? yeah because I've, I've i haven't lived here since i was like 18 years mm-hmm. old and so I was like, I just want you guys to know what you're doing it is was, beautiful. <laughs> it was a really sweet message. But in it, you actually wrote this like this pretty, um, pretty exciting retelling of how how when you moved to Amsterdam, there was you. It's almost as if you went through this like sexual revol- revolution in your own in your own life. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about that. Tell us about like that journey from. Like leaving Canada, going to Europe, and how and how that sort of like shifted your your paradigm around yeah. sexuality and relationships. I mean, I never could have expected anything like what has happened has happened, mm-hmm. and you know, kind of segueing from having so many issues with my own uh, sexuality and body and uh, my ability to connect with other people, I was like, you know. I was moving out of that mindset and I was moving into something new. And when I got there, I ended up like I had not had any experiences with relationships before because of like my issues. And so when I like got any there, relationships at all, like on on very surface level, sure. kind of relationships, like never got into anything with people, didn't really share because I felt like I wanted to keep my information hostage to me because I felt like out of control of everything in my life. Mm. So 
if I couldn't control anything in my life, at least I could control my information. Mm. So I just wouldn't share with people. And when I moved to Amsterdam, that just kind of shifted because someone called me out on it one time because I was being kind of vague about something um, pertaining a relationship that I was getting into that was a polyamorous, uh, like, thruple situation. I was starting to date this couple. And someone was, I was, like, being vague where I was like, oh, yeah, like, the thing. And they were like, there's other people in the room. Like, be explicit about what you're talking about. Right. And so I just kind of started to share with people. And I was like, oh, that felt nice. And then just started to share everything (laughs) with everyone. And I was like, oh, like, this is a very crucial part of my identity that I will move forward with knowing that in order to feel like authentic in myself. And that wasn't like an overnight thing. Being in that polyamorous relationship really, you know, you're dealing with three people. And so a lot of it was learning how to uh, communicate differently Mm. and communicate coherently and really engage with other people in a way that I hadn't experienced before. Right. And so, you know, that was a part of this big uh, like kind of revelation that I was going through. But also the people that I got into the relationship with were already into like uh, like kink scene. And, uh, you know, they kind of had to come out as polyamorous because before they were kind of in more of a uh, more like a swinging scene. Sure. And then suddenly they have this girlfriend and they have to explain it to their friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so what was that like? Like, you know, I always find it really interesting. the, The whole like thruple thing. Yeah. Um, and the dynamics of that and, and, you know, because it is so vastly different for everybody, yeah. um, you know, but like, that's the benefit of like sharing all of this. Cause it is so crazy. Different. It is so crazy different yeah. from case to case to case, whatever works for you in your scenario. Wh- what was the, how did it come to be? Did, yeah. Was it, was it like the, the say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. couple right off the bat or were you seeing the 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 female in the couple and then i mean i i moved in next door to them 
So I was suddenly, suddenly just kind of like plopped into their life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really uh, fell very deeply in love with the woman. Mm-hmm. And we had a bit It was of, a man and a woman? Yeah. Right, in the couple? Okay. And we, we had much more of like what would be a V-structured relationship. But gotcha. we existed as kind of a singular couple. But the um, feelings between everyone were not balanced. Mm-hmm. But that was a part of the communication was finding a way to make that uh, work for us. Mm-hmm. And they also... Uh, like ended up introducing me to all these different scenes, which at first was, you know, very strange being removed from sexuality and then suddenly being plopped in these situations where you're at like a sex or fetish party and you're like, oh, yeah, interesting. (laughs) Yeah, right. Mind explosion. Yeah. Like, whoa, people do this. So I had gone to like a couple little things and they were really open about how they lived their life with me because we started sharing a life very, fairly quickly. And uh, eventually we started, you know, a lot of people know about Burning Man in the States, and that's kind of people's only viewpoint of what that community looks like. But the burn communities are all across the world, and they're all based in these principles of self-expression and, like, openness and community building. And so in those communities, you end up with, like, polyamory is just such a ubiquitous thing throughout Mm. it like Mm -hmm. it's almost the norm and so when you go a lot of it's based in uh workshops so you end up with workshops from like every like theoretical realm of sexuality whether it be like bdsm to tantric connection Mm -hmm. and then you end up getting to like parts of it that are more about like relationships and like the first year we went to one in Spain, my partners and I, they hosted a uh, poly high tea in which everyone just sat around and talked about their different experiences. And there was like solo polys oh, and there cool. was people with different uh, like dynamic setups. And it's super interesting to get yeah. all those takes. Well, I mean, that's what makes this podcast interesting is hearing, you know, like we've we've spoken to many people that live. Um, you know, like some that live within some sort of consensual non-monogamous setup. Mm -hmm. And it's just so it's, it's just like sick boy. It's like everyone's experience in sexuality, everyone's experience in relationship, everyone's experience in sickness. It's all so unique. Yeah. And there's so much to glean from those, those stories and, and hearing people's experiences. Um, I felt like that listening to you speak just there and then uh, reflecting on something I was thinking about the other day and how, you know, everybody is unique. (laughs) Everybody is that like fingerprint or that snowflake, like (laughs) not symmetrical and totally unlike anything else you'll find in nature. And then we get into these romantic relationships and we're like, let's put ourselves together and see, you know, what we can figure out. And then we try to apply ourselves to like, all of these standard practices and ways of relating to yeah. each other. And it's like, something's not working. And <laughs> what we could be doing this wrong and this wrong. And th- but you just forget that you probably also speak two completely different languages. Mm-hmm. And you like, you know. Well, yeah. People are no- always trying to fill this mold of what they, uh, like their expectations, what a relationship should work 
like look like mm. yeah and that can be really challenging when those aren't met because you you know everyone's looking through the lens of their own reality and the point of a relationship i think is to come together and have empathy and compassion for the other person's reality and to find that space in the middle where you can exist and thrive mm. and grow in similar directions and i think uh when people get to points of stagnancy or you know inability to move past something they see it as a failure and they discount everything that happened mm. before that but mm -hmm. that's not what relationships are their journey through something and you're you're better on the other side of it for the most part i think what you're saying is totally resonating with me and and something i was reading from my like my lady uh esther perel and when she was talking about how um she talks about the difference between intimacy and uh, desire. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, intimacy is familiarity and desire is a, almost a separation, like a distance. Mm. So, and what you just said about like a journey through something, it's like there's a journey through your separateness to find a place where you meet that is the thrill of desire. Yeah. And once you become too familiar or too much set in repetition with somebody, then then it can um, basically take away that that abyss that is so exciting yeah. in the space between me and you. You know, I just sometimes I just need to say things out loud I just so you. I can like process what I've been reading. But <laughs> I feel like it's not the best way, though. That's why storytelling is such a beautiful thing, even if you're just vocalize something to work through it mm -hmm. for yourself. Mm -hmm. We just need sounding boards as people sometimes. Yeah, totally. definitely. I'm just going to talk at you. Yeah, yeah. as just a sit there and so organic object, <laughs> and like possibly make some facial expressions. Yeah. occasionally. <laughs> Yeah, but please. you know what, though? There's an important part of uh, the validation of that because I could talk to Bigby and Bigby's going to validate <laughs> everything I fucking say because he loves me unconditionally. Every word. And he's like, yep. you feed me and you keep me alive. So you... I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Are you still in that, that V relationship? I'm not. It, uh, it ended a while ago. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm like... I'm so infinitely changed for it and I'm so incredibly grateful like yeah. to my core for it because um, it was so beautiful and like so uh, yeah just filled with things that changed me down to like the core of who I am or maybe more appropriately like brought to light to me what is at the core of me and yeah, made, made a lot of things make sense yeah, yeah. and moving forward like is directly influenced by what I learned through mm. that relationship. What did that look like for you moving forward? Like, did you, did you, are you in a relationship now? No, right now I'm kind of practicing having multiple partners right. all scattered. <laughs> right. Sure. And I how's that going? <laughs> what were you going to say? Brady? I just, I, I actually want to know what breaking up <clears throat> looks like as a part of a thruple. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Probably like, fucking You just talked about how mm. like there's different, levels of um i don't know any levels of giving and and receiving like affection maybe between different partners or different yeah. levels of so what does that look like in a breakup scenario i mean i would say that the heartbreak takes on a lot of different forms mm. um because not only are you 
uh, like losing a loved one? Is that all the other complicated emotions that you have towards a partner when you uh, like disconnect from one another? That's doubled Mm -hmm. and also because the affections were different between each people it was also like a loss of friendship and a loss of Mm -hmm. comfort and consistency and also uh lifestyle and familiarity Mm -hmm. and it's it was it was very challenging for me um and are they still together yeah they're still together and it just became it came to a point where you know, our expectations of everything were no longer in sync. Mm. And this is after a year and a half. Yeah. And yeah, it was just, it was strange also because it happened so immediately when I moved. And so my life there had been so inherently structured around this relationship of course, yeah. that it was then it took me a long time to find the space in which I existed independently. Yeah. Like a new that. normal. Oh yeah. man, that sounds uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> How long did that process Because you're still in Amsterdam. Some yeah. people would have been like, fuck this, I'm out. I'm, out I'm here, like going to yeah. go find a new city. Well, I, a lot of people were like, you should fucking leave. Mm. Um, but I, I didn't want to run away from that because I knew if I did that, then that would probably be my solution to things in the future. Like if something gets uncomfortable for me or if something is making me sad, not to say, I think people put themselves through things sometimes that they don't need to, but this is just for me personally. I did not want to leave this because I thought that I would learn enough to feel better on the other side of it or to feel more uh, evolved for lack of a better word on the other side of it. Um, because I dealt with like stuff that I've just never had to deal with before, Mm -hmm. um, emotionally speaking, which I think is true for, you know, most people in a breakup, but this was just a bit more complex in a way. Um, and to answer your question, I, I dare say that I'm still dealing with it, but Mm. I'm much more on the other side of it now. And it's been a lot of, um, work of, of not projecting what I think things mean onto other people. Like I'll be like, oh, well, this is happening because um, like this person feels this way. And then stepping back and being like, I can only manage my own expectations if I make them known. And with that in mind, I should make my expectations known being like, I am sad and I need to do something about it and move forward. And I did a lot of traveling uh to to kind of reset um like what my consistent life looked like Mm. um but at the base of it just kept uh practicing like a lot of empathy and compassion for what other people's reality looks like Mm -hmm. which you know i'm not going to say that your feelings are um make me feel a way just because like your uh emotional state ended in me feeling shitty like my shittiness is my own to deal with and your emotional state is uh yeah separate separate from that and you are you are a person and you should have empathy and compassion uh for other people's yeah state and i've i've tried to move forward in very much a way of like this is this is yeah my 
my stuff to deal with but i had a, a lot of really good support of people yeah whatever yeah well it's i'm glad i'm glad that it wasn't a, a, a scenario where you were like well, i gotta get out of Amsterdam now you know it's it's well to me it reminds me of what we were just talking about earlier about relationship and your relationship to yourself being like so key to <clears throat> to the to the relationship the rest of the relationships you have in your life and it sounds to me like although you're going through this thing you chose to go on this journey through it with yourself and that's about your relationship to yourself and like showing up in that moment and being like this is going to be uncomfortable and I'm not going to run away from it Mm -hmm. is I think shows an like incredible strength of character and foresight because absolutely if you train yourself that you can leave when things get hard then you're gonna probably be bopping all around the world yeah and i worried for that to like become my norm especially because i i I am very much a nester Mm. and so when i go someplace like i really want to feel at home Mm. and i wasn't just gonna go somewhere and create a new life i really just wanted to be like no my life what does that mean and like i'm so happy for it because it forced me into doing things that like past Ramsey like pre Amsterdam Ramsey wouldn't have done like I feel like I've packed like uh, five years into the past two years Mm. and that's not just like sexually speaking but (laughs) otherwise but also yeah like like I've mentioned before going to these burns these little experimental festivals in communal living um and they are them being so open it, it starts to rewire your brain and like deprogram all the stigma that you have surrounding sexuality. And for me, all that stigma was internalized and like being in these spaces, like I've, I hosted a sex Olympics once. Yeah. That let's was talk about that. That didn't was you do like, didn't you do like Kegel weightlifting or something? I read shit? your email out <laughs> loud <laughs> before you got here. Just this to was, like this refresh. was my, this was my fish bait to oh Bridie my and Jeremy God. <laughs> where I was just like what's gonna snag them mm, there's so much but let's go with oh, the sex email was like the email got better and so better good, yeah. and then better and then when I got to the part of the the vagina the the kegel weightlifting I was like I literally I had to stop because I was like there's just too much happening here in this email. Like what it's what just is that all about? What, what do sex Olympics This look woman like? is clearly whacked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's true, but it did actually She's weird. Happen. She's weird. <laughs> yeah, baby. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I participated in it the first time I went to this burn. Um, and, you know, this, this nudist Austria, uh, Austrian man ran up to me and he was like, we hadn't spoken before. He was in my camp and he looked at me and he was like, Ramsey, do you want to do the sex Olympics with me? And I just went, yes. <laughs> and I looked over course, at my girlfriend yeah. and I was like, what did I just get myself into? And I go into this big dome and there's like 90 people in there, if not more in this tiny like yurt dome. Yeah. And they start hosting it like it's uh like different uh countries hope hosting the olympics and it's like this big spectacle and they put us through all these different rounds like there was a ra- no sex happens in it it's sure. just like there was a round where you had to come up with like the most interesting karma sutra um position that you could there was a speed bone around and i just looked at my partner and i was like listen i don't know how and he was like, "Fair enough." <laughs> Speed boner, as yeah. in like, uh, go from soft to hard. The, the who can do it the quickest, and with no hands or orifices. Whoa, cool! So the woman who won had given the gentleman beside me a chin job, in which she 
had masturbated him with her chin. So, oh, because she couldn't use her hands yes. or her mouth. Yes. So she used, she could you, Could she, she was, have used her feet? Um, I think feet were also probably off the table. Also, I would guess also we were table. living in the desert in yeah, pretty much yeah. sure, 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 naked sure. conditions. <laughs> but you could touch. You could touch. It was just no, like no, no hands or or. Wow, that's basically. so that's so funny. So no I have ears, no I mouth, I, no I bought um this is not a joke, I bought a website, um domain, <laughs> uh, fasterbait dot com. Oh god. And uh, and and I I did this mostly as a joke with my. With, with, with my, your friend, with my good friend, uh, <laughs> who's probably listening right now. Oh, the price of shits and giggles. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "This is the this is the idea." Fasterbait.com. Mm-hmm. It's a competition based website where, and I've only worked out the the business model for for people with penises uh, so far. And so the idea is that uh, you you go from soft to climaxing. Um, and the f- you're trying to do it as fast as possible, and there's there's a ranking system, and so the the fastest person from going from flaccid penis to coming uh, is the winner, mm-hmm. and so you're trying to like beat the number one spot constantly. Good um, old competitive spirit. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and uh, and it's it's done through submitting a video, uh-huh. so that's the proof. And uh, yeah, fasterbait.com. And I'm sure we'd make a lot of money Big through bucks sponsorships. Ahead, Jeremy, sponsorships. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This is a hidden ad. Yeah. 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 Fasterbait.com. Fasterbait.com. Um, okay, so so it, there was another one, though, another part of the oh, and Sex Olympics. The powerful, pu- pa- uh, most powerful pussy on the playa, which is what you were referring to yes, with the Kegels. Most, yes. So I participated in this the first year. And, you know, this week, because there's so much sexuality involved in these festivals, I, you know, so the process is they you put a tampon in and you leave the string out and you tie it onto the cap of a water jug. And then they put progressively more water into the water jug and you see who oh. can hold the most water. How do they attach the string to the cap? Because the strings like are poke, not very long. poke a hole through it oh, and, and tie, tie it. Knot. And so then you just screw it on. So <gasps> when I was doing oh, it, I, see. I was doing sense. it and I looked over and the w- there was two other women in the round with me. And I looked at their faces and like they had determination in their oh, eyes. Yeah. I can... And I was like, my vagina has better things to do this week. I and am I so it. curious about my weightlifting capabilities. I mean, you can do it at home. Just find yourself. The, go into the recycling. Find we yourself do a it. water we jug. We should do it at our next live show. Well, Erin's collecting all the bottle caps right now. Yeah, She's oh. never going to let me have right, one. Right. We'll do it at the next we'll live show. Yeah, we'll have a competition at the next live show. <laughs> oh, boy. Set up a, we could put you behind a thing and just have a camera, but the camera's just on the ball. <laughs> Jesus. Right? The scary thing is <laughs> the I know drop that. drop in slow-mo. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, there'll be no drop. (laughs) I feel like you. I like your confidence, Braddy. I don't know. I feel like I might be pretty good because you work a lot of those muscles in in yoga. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The floor floor muscles. Wait, so were were you like? I got better things to do with my pussy this week. Like, were you going? I don't want to tire out my vagina. That is exactly <laughs> yeah. what my thought like, was. I, I was like, thing. this is stressful. Okay. And my like, dance card's kind of full. My, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, I have, an, put, I I have wanna... an orgy to go to tonight. <laughs> like, yeah. I gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I ended up hosting it this year when I went. I was oh. I was there and I, I know the guy who hosts it now and he was running around and he was like, I haven't a co-host. <laughs> Ramsey, <laughs> you're weird. He sounds like a cool guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, haven't, and, uh, I haven't a co-host. So, I do know an Austrian person. 
Tommy in the Moksha community. <laughs> yeah. He would he would do something like this, I think. Yeah. yeah. So I put on gold board shorts and a Valley Girl accent and hosted uh, the Sex Olympics this year. How fun. And it went off without a hitch, but also I felt very entitled about asking the people to do, all, oh, yeah, I'm just thinking of more rounds now. Like they're coming back to me in yeah, waves, yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, when they sucked the black strap on, I had on. Like they're just they're hitting me like waves. Anyway, moving <laughs> on. Um, but sounds like a circus. It, I mean, that's kind of my 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 life. Sex is a circus. circus. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they uh, they they asked me to host this year, and so I felt very entitled about asking everyone to do these tasks because I'm like, listen. I've been through it and I'm fine. Yeah, right. Sure, <laughs> sure, 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 sure. So, um, yeah, it was quite funny. But then when I, I went other places and it, like people travel around to Burns. And so I would be in like Denmark and someone came up to me and like put an arm around me and they were like, hey, how you doing? And I was like, I mean, I'm a very intimate person, but this is pretty close. And they were like, I really liked your... Uh, your hosting job at the uh, Sex Olympics in Spain. Uh, and yeah, I was celebrity like... Celebrity status. Yeah, and then it happened a few more times and someone was like, who are you? And I was like, I'm riding a really high ego wave right now. <laughs> like, yeah. at like the thing that I could have never hoped <laughs> to become famous for anything else. Like, That's really funny. It was very comical. Yeah. I, man, I want to take part in some sort of sexual Olympic... I feel I, my I, favorite part of that story is that you were naked in front of 70 people doing this. I'm like, that's one of those well, things like <laughs> deep concentration in front of a crowd on yeah. something while you're naked. A big part of the first time I the, when I did it the first time, my partners ran up to me afterwards and they were like, Ramsey, we're so proud of you. And I was like, what? Like, I just like that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever done. And they were like, you had body dysphoria and have had like issues. We couldn't like start You're to fathom. And you just yeah. like yeah. did that shit naked in front of 70 people. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it was it is a big deal. It, it was. But it wasn't to me in that moment that until moment. they pointed it out. Yeah. And it was really this like moment of like revelation of like you don't notice those big moments when they come mm. up where I'm just like, oh, I couldn't be naked in front of one person. And then I just yeah stood naked in front of seventy people. It's different. It definitely is. I mean, yeah. You just there's nothing to hide. I guess at nope. that point you're like you know. I think about women too, like giving birth in front of like mm. like their loved ones. Yeah, I'm like that is extremely raw and vulnerable, and mm. there's a lot going on there. There's a potential for a lot going on there yeah. that you wouldn't necessarily be like I'm comfortable with this. You know, like right out of the gate but it changes like your appreciation of vulnerability when it comes to like connecting to other people and yeah. how beautiful that is and your confidence yeah there's like when you can when you go through an experience like that well i don't not i haven't had one like that but where you have come to face to face with like vulnerability and then you walk out the other side of it and you're like i can do anything well that's the thing i've i've done so much i feel in the past two years where i've ended it and be like oh i feel like superman yeah. yeah, and that's been huge just for me in no way of like like I tend to talk about my experiences a lot and I get to the end of it and people are like I'd really like to try that and I'm like it doesn't mean that it will be anything like the experience I had I just share because I think you should do things that you think will advance you and I've done things that people are like I think that's fucked and I'm like that's okay because I talk openly about it because I I, I came out the other side and I'm like, this really benefited me. Yeah. And I want to talk openly about it because I hope for you to do things that you think will benefit you. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and no matter what those things are. Like, if you don't, don't hurt other people in yeah. the in the process, then that's yeah. the the consensual consensual <laughs> consensual sex positivity that I want to perpetuate mm-hmm. when I share with other people. Mm-hmm. How do you? What do you think? In terms of choosing direction mm-hmm. and choosing things that will grow you um, or advance you, um, where you know, I'm, I'm where's your curiosity taking you next? Because you've done this burl- this public performance with burlesque mm-hmm. and the Sex Olympics, <laughs> and you <clears throat> you are in a I don't know a city I feel like really encourages. Uh, uh, playfulness and and I and I'm pr- probably projecting because I've only been there once and I was only 18 and I was like you know big hearts in my Ooh, eyes red light district yeah exactly <laughs> but like what 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 you're young and you've already done all of these like um public displays of sexuality and I'm just like does your curiosity lead you more in that direction or like where are you going well I think None of it has been intentionally public. Mm. It's just kind of happened that because I ended up in these burn uh, communities, they like they just have happened in public because I've been given kind of this like sampling pot of being able to try different things and like be educated in these spaces, whether it be on, uh, you know, a lot of people have to find uh, like journeys into sexuality on their own or through the internet. But when it's a human being in front of you being like, would you like to try this flogger? You should warm someone up first. And you're like, that's very useful information. Thank you. <laughs> like the the one-on-one like kind of human aspect of it has been very, very mm-hmm. nice. And through all of that, I've met people in which perpetuate it. And so my perpetuating like curiosity through all of it is, you know, is always exploring something uh new or something I've tried before that I'm trying to find the different palettes of. So I visited Vienna a couple weeks ago and I went to a lesbian BDSM party. So you're in a queer space, in a safe queer space, and everyone there was German, but um, my partner who I was there with was very kind to translate everything that was going on around us. And it was so interesting because the mood of the room was so unique and it was like nothing I'd ever been to before but I've been in those spaces before but it was just these particular experiences that then recolor what I think I've experienced before like experimenting with like um, BDSM for instance Um, like a particular (laughs) that particular uh, experience that I had at that party was incredibly unique because I had a uh, very trusting connection with the person I was there with. And also, uh, it was all women there. Mm-hmm. And so the feeling in the room is very different than when you, if you're in another fetish space. Mm-hmm. And at the start of it, like creating atmosphere was so important as well. We went into uh, the basement and they were like, we're going to give a kind of ceremonial start to it. And we were kind of like taking the piss out of it because it felt kind of religious in this way. And a culty almost. Oh, oh yeah. I, I also came into contact with a sex cult. I'll get into that later. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I could have gone way overboard with the email. Like I kept it to a full few bullet points. You were points. like, anyway, I'd like to keep this short. I was like, there's more. <laughs> I think the title of it was a long winded hello. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so 
um, I went and there she, the, she it was a preacher. So she's going to do a sermon the following morning from the Saturday night party, which was interesting to begin with because we're yeah, at a lesbian BDSM party. And she started talking about how uh, the kind of philosophies of BDSM in her eyes was the real sin being unable to ask someone else what you want and unable to find the space to connect with another person in a uh, like respectful way of like what you're willing to give me and what I want from you and with you and mm-hmm. finding the like middle ground to merge in there. And it was you know, it went from like me, like in my head, like taking the piss out of this to being like really touched and yeah. really like, uh, yeah, like my, my heart's beating a little bit faster, like talking about it because it was so touching and just the way that um, she uh, aspired to connect with your partners and the mm. intimacy that we should be trying to achieve through uh, honesty and connectivity and yeah, it, and then I watched your lighter partner on fire. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Like I, yeah, I love that to to be able to go into an experience that you know, on surface level, is shrouded in. I don't know, like this sort of like tee hee like oh yeah, we're here, like do this yeah. thing, and, and it then, was like in like a classic dungeon. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I feel like I've walked into like, a what movie the set. Yeah, 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 like eyes wide shut or some shit. Yeah, and like then, candles. You're in a, like a basement with like arched ceilings mm, and like. But then it actually becomes this like <laughs> like profound like you know experience that where there's there really is this like deep lesson to take from someone just talking about their philosophy on bdsm you yeah know, it's like, and, and and also in german so it's yeah, being like yeah, yeah, translated yeah. into my ear so like such a surreal sounding experience yeah like moving forward it's just i think i tried to maintain having little to no expectations of things but being very open to things and i think it's fine to have expectations mm-hmm. but like just going into things and not having this preconception that's going to be a certain way because i went into that situation um very open and I ended up in like this subspace with this partner that I'd never been in before and it was insane like like different like euphoric realm of like tunnel vision like it's hard to even Mm. articulate and I just left and I looked at her and I was like you made space for a very unique experience for me and like thank you for that Mm -hmm. a very unique expression of you yeah that's an interesting I'm like, you temporary ta- short-term relationship right there. Yeah, I'm like, you taught me something about me, and I mm. appreciate that. And I appreciate that about, like, any any uh, sexual or intimate relationships I have. I've had some really interesting ones, um, like, since the breakup I had um, with the, the, the thruple. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we... Me, me, myself, and I. Me and all of me. <laughs> me, Ramsey, and her horde of Ramseys. I'm just gonna start referring to myself in the third person. It'll be easier. Um, I, I've, I've had, yeah, such interesting relationships that have been like fleeting and just these beautiful little moments mm. and challenging in ways that I think if I hadn't learned any of these things, I would have been like, well, this isn't fucking worth my time. Mm. But. Instead, like looking at it and being like, I really enjoy that I'm being challenged by another person right now because they're uh, 
they juxtapose me or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. finding what you can take from every every one of those experiences. I think. Yeah, really and also giving as much as I yeah. can. That yeah. all sounds very enlightened and like insightful. But what are you like in an argument with a lover? Are you as like <laughs> wise and like calm and mature and I in in an actual <laughs> confrontation I can be uh, quite passive, which is detrimental to getting anywhere. Yeah, because I can shut down a bit. Um, but definitely I, I constantly work at, I, you know, I have really hippy dippy friends who work in community building and whenever I'm having an issue, I'll usually call them up and I'll be like, listen, I've got X, Y, and Z going on and I need to diffuse the anger out of what I'm saying because I know it's not going to be conducive if I said it over and it's just gonna, and I'll just like be working on diffusing it before it comes out of my face. So I think I try to communicate, um, mindfully. Mm. So it's not always, you know, in a way that I'm actually, I, you know, I, I, I'm sure I just talk out my ass sometimes. I accept that. God, but I, I I expect to like get to the other side of it and be like, what are the questions I want to ask? What will help us move forward? Like, make sure to throw in the whys to like get to the root of this and to like make sure it's not. And sometimes I'm just, you know, ignorant to whatever and I'm just like okay I respect your difference because I think difference is beautiful and you know that takes further um further looking at to move through Mm. and you know that's always challenging but I do think I always try to engage mindfully and I I don't think I I I I'm not a uh very like fiery person when it comes to uh like arguments, I'm I'm much more like a small flickering candle. Mm. It's funny. I was reading something the other day about uh, it just popped up. Like I was, I didn't just pop up. It was like I was doing like research on uh, different like damaging uh, uh, qualities. I'm just gonna speed through this because I'm thinking it out loud for the first time. But like things that come, you can bring to a relationship in confrontation that are like super detrimental. Mm-hmm. And uh, this article, it was like a psychology today, so whatever. But it did say like 90%, 90% of like um, relationships, I think it's 90% of relationships that start in your 20s end. And uh, yeah, and then it cited this, this, this like statement, I guess that, that there's four qualities that are really common in that end that eventually destroy relationships criticism like Mm -hmm. being overly critical being defensive Mm. being um uh stonewalling which i think is kind of like shutting down i at least i related to that that term in that way maybe that's of least resistance it's just like well yeah (laughs) yeah well you can't and also you can't hurt me because Mm -hmm. i'm I'm putting up my walls. It's a protect- protection mechanism. Totally. Like people do what they feel they have to do, and it's not always the healthiest thing mm. for them. <laughs> I know. And But how do you get out of those like deeply ingrained habits? The last one is contemptuousness, in case anyone cares. But like... <laughs> We do I those things for ourselves too, you know. Like we self-criticize, we like, yeah. or we can be like defensive and about like our shortcomings, or we can be, you know. Well, that's it. Like, and I think cold. I, I have a history of being a very self-deprecating person, mm-hmm. um, and try to find the balance of like not doing that, especially when it comes to confrontation with other people. Because yeah. for me, I think the easiest thing to be like, 
you're right well, I'm i just suck and i don't understand you <laughs> and like that's my fault and i'm like no that's not that doesn't get anyone no anywhere. that doesn't help i know yeah. I'm, i i'm <clears throat> very guilty of that as well it's like a martyrdom sort of thing mm-hmm. and i really try not to i really try not <clears throat> to do it yeah, yeah. actively <laughs> I want to. Uh, I want to be before we kind of come to the end of this because I don't want to miss this. Uh, we have to come back to the sex cult thing. I was going to say, Jeremy, we uh, didn't even get to the sex. cult. I know. I know. Uh, are we talking like wild, wild country kind of sex cult? Or are we talking like um, like Nexium fucking like dark, dark side? I sex would say cult? it's more like Nexium style. Whoa, really? Sex cult. But I will say that a lot of it is looking inward um as an outsider and then just having people who have so like i said most of what i talk about i see at these burns and then offshoots of them and people i meet through them because they're a certain type of people who live their life very openly and so you end up kind of down these rabbit holes but i was at this one in denmark which i was having a lot of uh it was a really amazing experience um and in you know we have these camps that we kind of live in for the sake of cooking for each other and kind of shared mentality so the one that i go to in spain i'm part of a sex positive camp but it's like Mm -hmm. kind of cutesy and like we all just have like cute cuddles and like Mm -hmm. soft orgies and like stuff like that (laughs) orgies and everyone's just jerking each other off with their chin yeah Yeah. you know (laughs) classic classic yeah. cuddle activities yeah. um but then like the one next door is like bdsm so everyone's like screaming from that yeah. camp like <laughs> sure, sure. so this one i was at in denmark they had a camp that was based off of this um i i don't think they identify themselves at a cult as a cult but we've definitely coined them as one mm-hmm. um and i went on their website recently to like read what their spiel was to see like what was seducing people into this style uh, and like as I'm sure most uh, uh, foundations are of things that end up being very culty, it is very appealing. It's like we're trying to deprogram um, sexual repression (laughs) and like inspire like openness and you know all the things that you're like yeah oh my these God. are the things i believe in this is everything we're talking yeah. about when i was watching wild wild country i was like oh my fuck i would love to be a am Rajnishi. i susceptible to cult mentality <laughs> yeah, like, like I'm, I'm buying osho's book today I'm so into this. <laughs> yeah. yeah um so i was reading it and i was laughing because i had seen the reality of it which a friend of mine ended up in that camp so not a okay. part of the cult uh but with lifestyle. this group of people for like a you know a period so of time a lot yeah so he was like coming out and he's like guys you'll never believe what's going on so we had to go over and see for ourselves but a lot of it was about uh breaking down uh your like blockages so if something makes you uncomfortable it's your blockage and thus you have to do it to break down that blockage so you know it could be anything from like oh, uh, masturbating in front of all these people makes you uncomfortable, then you're going to sit down and masturbate in front of these 40 people. And so I like walked by one day and there was these two people kissing and I was like, oh, all right. And then I walked down the road and then I came back up and by the time I'd gotten back up, she had like pinned him down and someone was begging him and he was like whimpering and I was like, Oh, holy shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. I guess the consent comes in there at, like, signing up for the cult, Well, yeah, right? that's, that's the thing. <laughs> like, the, like consent culture is a huge thing here, and so Ooh. it's all talked about. So, like, we get to this point where we're like, this seems kind of 
murky and like that make that's what makes me uncomfortable like people do whatever they need to do to deprogram their sexual repression but this is just like there's just too much gray for me to like look past yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean yeah so like, then i went in afterwards yeah i'm gonna have to see for myself <laughs> i did and, go in yeah. and so what did that look like <laughs> well i went in with a partner and they were like being all weird with us because we were two women and they were like you know what you're getting yourself into and we were like oh fuck off and like were they what, a bunch of fucking like, like this like, is a rough like, part of town yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh. They were, were they, like, also, were they, they were also like, all from Newark? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't know what you're getting yourself into here. <laughs> I think he was probably German, but yeah, right, aside sure, from the point, sure. <laughs> it was very gothic over there. It was called it was called the Edge. The Edge. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yes. So edgy. The Edge dot UK dot EU dot whatever. I think the founder is Australian. Um, but so we just like went in, and it was just like the weirdest space just like awkward sexual energy it felt like if a junior high school dance had then somehow been sexual with all the awkwardness that wow. ensued with like, that space. get up there and slow dance with that person in front of everybody yeah but like but instead of a slow dance it's blowjob blow did yeah. you did you try to bring anything in there like of like all right well i'm i'm <laughs> This is my blockage, so I'm going to try to work through it. No, I was purely a spectator. You were just there to watch. My yeah. my my blockages are very much like they dissolve as they're happening. <laughs> yeah, so sure, right. It's right. you know like I had, um, uh, yeah, like oh man, I'm like stumbling over the story now because it's a bit of a it's a bit of a doozy. I'm I'm, Jeremy's ready I'm on for board. It. Yeah, ready. all right. I'm well, if you're game for it, I'm fucking game. I at that same uh, experience in Denmark. This this story makes people a bit uncomfortable, so Great. I'm just gonna put yes. like a yes. a, sen- <laughs> a censorship warning out now. Um, yeah. All right. So um, I I met a partner at that uh, festival who's still one of my uh, partners, and uh, she works in doing hook suspension. Mm. And uh, before uh, we had clicked together our human connection, I had watched her do it to someone I knew. And I kind of went into it with this sadistical energy of just curiosity yeah. and seeing what it was. And now, then, for people who don't know what hook suspension is. Yeah, why don't you explain that one to I me? Mean, I, well, I'll explain as far as I know, which is um, comes from... Uh, Generally, it would be, I mean, I guess it can, it can happen anywhere on the body, I'm, I'm assuming. But, like, yeah. oftentimes you'll see someone where they take these hooks, put them through the, like, skin between their shoulder blades, mm-hmm. and then dangle. Yeah. Like, hang, suspend their entire body weight through this, like, pierced, pierced hooks attached to a rig, you know, yeah. a rig of some sort. Um, and people do it. For I'm I, I'm I'm assuming there's like an an insane um, adrenaline adrenaline rush. rush from the experience, uh, but is that you know? Well, I had watched one be done, and I felt I I always use the word like seduced by it, but that makes it sound like I was pulled into something. But really, I was just captivated with the interaction that she had with uh the the person she was suspending it was 
a really beautiful exchange of empathy and compassion mm -hmm. and consideration to what another person was going through. And so I went in with this little bit of like morbid curiosity, which I have in life in general. So yeah. it's nothing mm -hmm. strange or like, why am I doing this? But then I sat there and the like morbid curiosity kept like getting further and further away in my head. And eventually I was like, would I ever do this? Whoa. Interesting. I think I want to do this. Why do I want to do this? I just really feel like I will have missed out on something if I don't engage with this. And it was just like this singular moment in time. And I don't know if it would manifest again if I were to ever do it. Yeah, right. Like um, it was just the perfect timing. Everything just sort of aligned where it was like, okay. And so I, I approached um, this woman and I uh, asked her if she thought she had the space to um, do it with me if she would. And I, I tried to practice this like very like tantric uh, <laughs> uh, intimacy practice with it of just being like, if you have the space, this is one of my desires. Yeah, right. And uh, uh, she she agreed and in between that time we kind of developed a relationship and so by the time that uh the time came i was asking myself like why do i want to do this what do i hope to get out of it and i really didn't know and i you know was walking up this hill to the peak where it was due to be done and i was just like I don't know what I'm going to get out of this. I just know it. It sounds like a fucking crucifixion. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like you're marching up so a hill. Yeah. yeah. What was the time, just for my own curiosity, between uh, extending that um, to her and actually having it done? Because I don't... A week. A week. Okay, wow. Yeah. That's a long time to, to be... To sit on it. Well, I, yeah, I, like, yeah. I, I did it intentionally. I was like, next week, because I wanted to sit with the feeling to be sure it wasn't just me being like... Ooh, caught yeah. up in them. Yeah. yeah, I really wanted it to sink in, and it did. And so, did you do it? I did do it. Okay. Um, but I kept expecting this like nervousness in my gut of like a piercing or a tattoo to like come along because I'm so familiar with that feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I like got up there, and the compassion that she had showed me just put me at total ease, and we moved through the process of like piercing, and it was like, where'd you get hooked? Where, where? Uh, in my back. Okay. Yeah. And, is and it always many? in the back? No. no I've, I've seen people do it from their front. Yeah, it oh, just depends wow. on how intense or how, like, they do different forms. Okay. And there's a whole culture built around it, which I'm not so fond of, but... Okay. It's pretty intense. Yeah, it's pretty, it's intense. pretty intense. Is it, like, a pretty, it's like... I have issue with it's anything that's too, too intense. Yeah. Like, it's... it's it's hardcore. Like, I mean, I've seen... I, I It can be hardcore. Yeah. Like, I've seen... So I was very really much intense. outside of the cultural, uh, mm -hmm. uh, like, a version of it and was very much like a one-on-one. -on -one. And it just... With, with not feeling connected to my body for so long, the things that do connect me to my body are very potent. Mm. And this was like something that dropped me into my body so inherently. And also... I had friends there and I was appreciating the fact that they were putting aside something that could possibly make them uncomfortable mm. and be there to witness and kind of revel in this experience with me because mm. it was like, it was like this feedback loop of like compassion. And like my partner stayed engaged with me the whole time and she didn't break eye contact. And, you know, you know, I would like feel this like little pinky, like run up my spine every now and again, just to be like, you're okay. Mm. And like so sweet and compassionate and, um, you know, I, you say like, it's a, probably a lot of it's about adrenaline, but you're up there for like 
a long time. Yeah. How long? I think I was up there for like an hour and 20 minutes. Whoa. So it was like, you know, your adrenaline doesn't like last that long. And because I was so calm, I didn't have the traditional feeling of adrenaline pumping through my body. Mm. And so when I was brought up, it was people were like, was it painful? And I, that's obviously a subjective question. Yeah. Um, and people's relationship to pain is different. And my experience uh, going through the, uh, what I went through, you know, my experience pain is different because feeling my body is such a almost new experience. Yeah. And so going through it sensationally was really interesting, but it was also moving through this period of being uncomfortable to them being totally comfortable because, you know, the pulling of the skin when you're pulled <laughs> up there, I sank into it. And then I was, you know, yeah, the fascial release I was, alone uh, is just like, oh, well, I was up there and just like the world was around me and just like singing and like people were playing with my feet. My like partner laid down and like played footsies with me for a while. And she was like spinning me around and like friends were like dancing with my feet. And Brady looks terrified. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, pretty... I'm waiting for the part of the story where that thing just rips right through your skin <laughs> no, and falls on the ground. No. I had my skin checked first. Um, I, and I practice this all very safely with a medical professional of for course. anyone who's concerned. Okay. Um, and it, it because I went into it not looking for anything, I really just came out of it with this understanding of like connection to other people as well as a connection to my own body. And I really wanted to see what my body could do. And I think there's an issue that people have with seeing the body and mind as disparate things, especially me as like, well, I'm not my body because I don't feel at home in my own body. Mm. And this thing was just like, no, they are inherently connected and not disparate entities and i am all of it and i was really dropped into that and that was really important for me moving forward because it just like it colored the world just a bit differently and obviously mm. like i'm not per like i'm not promoting this activity at all it just happened to be that this experience had a certain effect on me that really changed how i moved forward because it was one of those experiences where I was like, I landed and I was just like, oh, I can do anything because mm. I did something that made me uncomfortable and I moved forward with confidence and I am out the other side of it and I feel stronger as a person. It sounds so, it, it's, it sounds so reminiscent of a, like a breakthrough hallucinogenic experience, um, which, you know, I've, I've had like a, a few of those in the last couple of years where mm -hmm. it's like you go into this thing that may not be comfortable yeah but is, is and and is you know intense to say the least but then you come out on the other side with this like like you say this new lens that yeah. you see the world through and you're like wow everything's just everything's just a little bit brighter and like a little I, bit... i've had breakthroughs on psychedelics mm -hmm. and i i think that yeah it's very reminiscent of like um and I, yeah i had a um a dmt experience yeah. that um yeah <coughs> takes you out of the existence of yourself of everything yeah and just i would say in uh comparison this was like instead of going to the other planet in the breakthrough i was brought to planet ramsey <laughs> yeah right yeah. sure 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 so fascinating man that's so so interesting and it, now, it makes people really uncomfortable to talk about but i try to do some it. people yeah, yeah yeah maybe some people did you have you done it since 
It was, or no. was that just a one, one off experience? No. And like the partner is funny. She'll like grab at my skin sometimes. She'll be like, you don't scar very well. I've got to do it again. And I'm just like, Haha, like, no, thanks. It's good. Thanks. I'm good, yeah, yeah, I'm good right. with the, uh, the one off. Man. I wonder to what extent our desire for piercings mm-hmm. replicates that feeling Ooh. that you're talking about because I do love, man. The infliction I, of pain. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I guess all of our thresholds are. Well, that's been interesting with the BDSM stuff, like playing with like <coughs> light amount of pain because again, and I keep r- repeating myself, but the dic- disconnection from the body yeah. is such a particular thing. And I used to just like poke at parts of my skin with a blade just to be like, am I in there? Like, yeah. It was very strange. And this is like, you know, I recently I was like electrocuted and that's a super funny experience because you're just like, it's so weird but i'm in here and like it's like so strange and the same thing with like wax play and stuff where Mm. it puts you in pain for like a slight moment but then there's no residual pain Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah it allows you to this play with this space of what you're because people have a automatic association with pain as being bad and that's not we we move through different types of pain and all different uh, like ways of life and i don't think that we should turn our back to it in the way that we do mm. you know what i mean yeah pain can be came pain can be full of pleasure well, and, and it, it's also it's also a great tool to like you know learn and grow mm-hmm. um as long as you don't get too self-indulgent that's in right the things yes that, that's uh, right that's you right. find pain in that's right you can be addicted to anything for sure. Man, this was fucking great. I love, I love this. This whole conversation has been amazing. Ramsey, you've lived a very interesting life, especially, you know, a, a, over the last like couple of years. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just very uh, grateful and elated that we've had the opportunity to meet and that you wanted to take the time to come in and chat with us. This yeah, was really fucking cool. It's been really nice. I'm uh, happy to spend my finite holiday time with the yeah, two of you. Yeah, yeah I'm glad I you squeezed like, it in. I feel like I learned a lot. <clears throat> I feel like my brain mm-hmm. is all kinds of t- tantalized. But I have one question. I have one outstanding question. Please. Um, taking it way back to the beginning, we are mm-hmm. talking about Toronto and that like old relationship that's familiar mm-hmm. yet nostalgic. If you were to describe toronto um as an ex-lover what 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 words would you use to describe that relationship Mm, like in my own personal experience i think it would have been the first woman who would have dated me after coming out so it was like an excitement to the like gay energy of like another person where you're just like oh my god you're a woman and you like me and (laughs) i'm so fresh to the world and it's so exciting and you're so interesting you're older than me and like we could get in trouble for this (laughs) but then you like move past the relationship and you just realize that that's another person with inherent flaws and lovely qualities and you really are like you're a beautiful person but i don't want to be with you That is so fucking perfect. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I love it. So <laughs> I knew you'd have an answer for that. That's great. <laughs> my ex-girlfriend, Toronto. Oh man. Oh fuck. I well, love it. We still share all the same friends. Oh yeah. So yeah. we still run into each other occasionally, <laughs> yeah. but we're very simple about it. That's I a hear really your good name question. In certain circles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man. That's so good. No bad feelings though. Like we're on very good terms. That's yeah. good. That's good. I <laughs> love that's good. That. She's a good lady. Uh, well, thank you, Ramsey. Yeah, yeah thanks. thanks, guys. It's been a true pleasure. Yeah. 
And thank you all so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as always, we'll be back next week with another awesome conversation. But in the meantime, go to Apple Podcasts and do the thing that we tell you to do every week. Goddamn week. Fucking, just do just it already. Just fucking do it. <laughs> uh, subscribe, uh, rate, review, all that stuff. And you can go over to patreon.com slash turn me on if you want to support us. Um, Visit us on Instagram. Send us your booty. Preferably, I guess, half cloves so oh, that yeah. we can actually not have it taken down. Yeah, I did par- send you guys a uh, booty Polaroid. I'm just saying. I know. And and so Instagram actually has, has cracked down on fully nude butts. Bared butts. They, they pull them down. But so undies, not so much. If there's underwear on it, you're like more likely not to have it removed. I know how to use Photoshop. Well, yeah, th- yeah, you, you just draw add, a thong on underwear. Just like a li- <laughs> yeah. I'll put like a little underwear stick. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Send us your booty photos. Uh, they're always welcome. And uh, also, if you want to be on the show or if you have a brain boner, turn me on podcast at gmail You betcha. Yeah. Hit us up. Hit us That's up. That's all for this week. Until well, next week. Feelings. Go fuck yourself. <laughs>